Hello, I'm Regina Botras and this is Backstage, where we talk with the who's who on stage, in dance, comedy and performing arts, speaking with the leading theatre makers of our times and how they came to the stage and what drives them and inspires them. And my guest in this podcast is the world-renowned mentalist Scott Sylvan, all the way from Scotland, here to bring his show Wonders to the Sydney Opera House, and it's on until the 26th of June. Scott has over 15 years of experience performing at some of the world's most exclusive events and theatres, from sellout runs at some of the world's biggest art festivals, including Sydney Festival and Melbourne International Arts Festival, It's an off-Broadway smash hit and three world tours. And he's here to tell me about how he came to the world of illusion. Welcome, Scott Sylvan. So good to be with you, Regina. Thanks for coming on. So when did your journey into the world and the craft of illusion begin? I was shockingly really young, about four or five years old. Um, And my granddad taught me a very simple trick where he took a coin he placed it in my hand. He made me sign my name in the coin with a Sharpie. He passed his hand over mine and the coin vanished. <laughs> and he pointed to a matchbox on the table and inside the matchbox was my signed coin. And I was hooked from that very moment. <laughs> he taught me the secret. It was pretty disappointing, but I realized pretty quickly there was something amazing about taking these everyday objects and creating extraordinary experiences from them. So he was my first entrance into that world of esoteric illusion. I learned pretty quickly that he only knew one or two illusions, but that was totally fine. (laughs) He shared those with me. And then I sort of went on my own adventure and began discovering magic. Also, I think growing up in Scotland and where I grew up in Scotland, in the Clyde Valleys of Scotland, Mm. it's a place where myth is a really big thing. Mystery is a really big part of its identity. So I was one of those kids who was always spending time in forests and streams and sort of you know making little dens so I always liked that that sort of sense of mystery that I think guided me into the world that I'm in now and then when I was 14 I I studied hypnosis in Milan and studied contemporary performance at Edinburgh University and amazingly sort of was able to capitalize on all those skills to create the experiences I do now. Mm. I can't help but think like, you know, from that early age, you broke that magic in a way. Um, Cause that's, that's the thing, isn't it? If you know what happens, you, you can't see the magic anymore or can you? It's such a good point because you're quite right. I was sort of approaching it from two different ways where there is traditional magic which is what we know of, sleight of hand, cards and coins, sort of yeah. what my granddad showed me. Yeah. And then there's the type of magic which Scotland gave me, which is the sort of myths and the mysteries and and how your mind can be transformed by what you see in these landscapes. And that seems to be the sort of journey that I've went down in exploring mentalism is that it's much more magic that explores the power of the mind. Um, I call it theatre for the mind because... It's really me as a performer and the audience going in this journey together to explore the power of their imaginations. So it's not so much, you know, sleight of hand or people in boxes or hidden tricks. It's it's hopefully much more of a a sort of, yeah, psychological adventure. Mm. 
I can't help but think of all theatre as a bit like that, isn't it? Like you say, there's this sort of agreement between you and the audience that um, you agree going in to believe what is being put in front of you. Is that part of the, I don't know, part of the magic? (laughs) I think it is very much so. And I think it, it helps my relationship with the audience as well that I think when people think of mentalism, the think of sort of nefarious techniques where you're seeing into the dark secrets of people's minds. And it really couldn't be further from the truth. I hope that, you know, my show Wonders is this really inspiring and, and fun time that allows the audience to look at their themselves and their worlds in a different way. And as you say, being in that convention of a theater in a darkened space, seeing what you were seeing on stage, it's not so much that there is a, a loss of control, but it's almost that the audience are aware that not everything they see on stage may be entirely real, but that doesn't matter. It's about how it makes them feel. It's about how it affects them emotionally. And as you say, that's hopefully what all great theater and art mm. does. So what, you talk about a bit about, you know, storytelling and that, uh, What what is the story of Wonders, I suppose? Is it like a story? Is it, tell, tell us what the show is, I suppose. That's a good question. Yeah, well, Wonders is, a show that started with a very simple idea. It's the first experience of wonder I had as a kid. And it was in my grandparents' attic. And it was just after dusk and I was looking at the night sky and something strange happened where I connected with the world around me. And I'm not gonna give it away. I'll share the story (laughs) within the show. And that show is that that, um, story I should say is then the springboard for taking the audience on an adventure that explores the wonders in their own life. It explores them tapping into their own childhood experiences, their own memories, their own emotions, and how those things can affect us now for good or for bad. And it's really a show that explores the story that we tell ourselves in our lives. You know, very often we feel that we're destined to go in the path um, that we believe we should be on. Yeah. And it's hopefully something that allows you to shake yourself up a little bit to know that you can change your story, you can change your narrative and you can choose to be who you want to be. Mm. And I think going through the past two years of the pandemic where we have all been trapped inside, not just inside our homes, but inside our own heads, I'm hoping that this show is a sense of a release that allows you to take a deep breath and look at your world, your landscape in an objective way and and hopefully see a new Mm. path for yourself. Wow, change our story. That's that's intriguing. <laughs> Can you tell me about the the kind of psychology that's be behind? I mean, I know that you studied psychology in parallel with theater. So, is it about your influence? Is it you as like the the and I know you just studied hypnosis and and you know as well as all of those other things. Like where is that line I suppose? Um yeah, psychology and craft of theater. I'm never very open in saying the techniques that I use. Um, I like to sort of keep that sense of mystery. But what I will say is that mind reading isn't real. Mind reading doesn't exist. And it's not my job to convince you that I'm seeing deep inside your head. But you're right. I'm using a variety of techniques, partly psychology, partly traditional magic techniques, and partly stagecraft. And you're sort of weaving all of those techniques together to create this illusion of impossibility on stage and you're right that you're walking a fine line where the some audience members may come to the experience and assume that they are seeing 100 hypnosis or 100 mind reading and that's not really my hope 
Um, I think very often if you've seen other types of mentalists, they may try and lean into this is a psychological experience. That's not so much what interests me too much. It's really about the mystery of that experience, the light and shade of that experience. I will say there are psychological techniques used in the show. There are, of course, hypnotic techniques used in the show. I myself don't use hypnosis uh, per se. That's not something that interests me. There's no one going to sleep or, or dancing or that sort of stuff. It's turning into a chicken. Indeed, I know. You seem disappointed that that's not happening. But um, it's really oh, no. just using those hypnotic techniques to take the audience to a place of relaxation, to a place of openness, where if they want to share something, they're welcome to share it. But I will say that it is a collective experience. No one is put on the spot. No one is made to feel uncomfortable. You choose to come up on stage if you want to. And if you don't want to, that's absolutely fine. You will still hopefully have the same powerful experience sitting in the audience. It sounds like it's very transformative and actually kind of meditative. I can't help believe that, think that you, like what happens when you come up? I mean, I know you said, you know, don't put particular people in the spot, but are there people that kind of fight it and, and go in with this, search to find the trickery or the what they don't want to be I don't know part of the show you must have times where it doesn't quite quite work I think that's a good point and I think when we think of traditional magic shows mm. that is often the case right. because we see a performer on stage who's doing all these amazing tricks yeah. himself yeah people in boxes flashing lights and we can't help but see where the strings are attached the hope for me is the difference with this experience is because it is so interactive and hopefully immersive and so audience-led it's not about me standing on stage saying look at these amazing things i can do it's about us sort of going in this journey together and hopefully that allows the audience to relax a little bit into it place less focus on oh i wonder how he did that and focus more on oh my goodness that makes me feel amazing or i forgot about that memory that i focused on or that person that um I haven't thought of for some time but you're right you will get people at every show who are inherently skeptic i'm one of those people as well i'm, I'm the biggest <laughs> skeptic in the world and equally i'm someone who hates audience interaction whenever i go to a show with audience interaction <laughs> i'm super scared so i always have that in the back of my head of, if i was sitting in this darkened theater right now what would i feel would i feel skeptical about this and i really use that as part of my creative process to try and um release some of that tension and, and hopefully make it as immersive as possible. Scott, you are so much younger than I was expecting. I was expecting like, I don't know, because I always think of illusion or mentalism as something that's sort of old from a past era. Can you talk, tell me a little bit about where, like, the, do you know much about the history of of the craft? Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. Really, Traditional magic obviously goes back a couple of thousand years, the sort of sleight of hand um, effects. There's manuscripts and carvings of walls that almost show the, wow. the traditional cups and balls wow. that we see street performers do to this very day. Mentalism as well, obviously has its connection to the psychic roots of the past. When we hear of the, the psychics contacting the dead and doing these sort of spirit readings, this is not something that interests me at all. Um, and not something that I believe in at all, and it's not what I do, but there is certainly a parallel between the techniques used by those by those psychics and sometimes by, by mentalists and illusionists today. Really, though, when you go back to the Victorian era, that was the, the heyday of the, the live touring performer. 
you know, one of the biggest performers of the day, bigger than Houdini, um, was a gentleman by the name of the Great Lafayette. And he toured across the world with a, a live performance act that involved mind reading as well as traditional magic as well. And there was another incredible person called uh, the Great Alexander. And he was known to wear rather a culturally inappropriate now large turban on stage <laughs> and he would read the thoughts of his uh, of his audience members and his entire show was uh, was really just a mind reading act where audience members would write questions on cards something they wanted answered in their life they'd put it in a big bowl on stage and he would stand there and provide an answer for them and what's incredible to me is when i go back and look at the history of these performances and these shows I see some similar techniques being used today, mm -hmm. even in my shows mm -hmm. as well. So there's this sort of incredible lineage of uh, of this world of illusion that goes back several hundred years at the very least. It's fascinating. I, I And I can't help but wonder about <laughs> that sort of line between, like you say, psychic readings. Because I, I can't help but wonder if it's also there's a lot to do with body language not just the psychology of the mind work or or i know you don't want to give away your tricks but body language and, and reading people like you must have such sort of and that kind of works in with it with psychic like the person knows to the, themselves often like the answer to things i don't know what do you have anything to say about like body language I yeah i think you're right that certainly with psychics which let me be very clear, it's not what no, I do. Yeah. They are using more traditional prosaic techniques to um, to find information from their participants. And then they're proclaiming that they're in contact with a higher power or some other spirit. Mentalism isn't really about that. As you say, it, it's much more rooted in psychological techniques. And there is um, body language techniques there as well. What interests me, though, is I feel that we all have these techniques within ourselves. We can all build rapport with someone. We can all get a sense of when we think someone is a good person or a bad person. And all I've really done is hone those skills, sharpen them a little bit um, and magnify them on stage. And as I say, not everything I use on stage is pure psychology, but it, it plays a role in the performance. And there is in fact an illusion in the show that sort of transfers some of my skills to a random audience member and shows them that we are all capable of wow. these things. It's part of the finale of the show. <laughs> so is it transformative for you as well? Are you rewriting your history each time? Or like, what is that transformation? like? What's it like for you as the performer? I think for me, because it is such an interactive experience, um, you know, unlike a traditional piece of theatre where I'm reciting the same lines every night. Yeah. Every evening, it is different Different memories, different people, different emotions. And every single illusion in the show involves at least one or two participants, if not the entire audience. Mm -hmm. There is nothing that I do on stage that is me doing card tricks or simple illusions. It is entirely audience-led. So not only does that make it slightly terrifying every night, yeah. it also makes it hugely exciting. And you know what? It is really inspiring for me as well when an audience puts their trust in me mm. to take their memories and their emotions and people that they've focused on and, and craft these illusions from them. And I really respect that trust and take it with a great deal of respect in, in every show that I do. But without, I know it sounds like a hack line, but genuinely without the audience there, 
giving that experience to me the show would not exist yeah and i really value that yeah so because you are dealing in memory and that kind of emotional space have you gotten people to get upset you know are they are you tuning into sort of some dark memories sometimes i think the hope with wonders is that it is a much more inspiring show and of course i'm leading the audience in certain visualizations that are much more positive Mm. um and i i tread that line very carefully as well in, in terms of what i ask the audience to focus on because no one has a perfect life yeah. we all have good memories and bad memories and my job is not to be a psychologist or to bring up dark memories or, or you know something that affects you we, we all have these things it is to tap into the positive aspects of your life what makes you who you are and magnify those positive aspects to make you hopefully leave that experience um not only feeling enthralled but inspired by your own life as mm. well and I think that's the, you know, the great fear of this type of work is that when it's in the wrong hands, yeah, you know, we often have the, this idea of hypnosis, you know, you're bringing up dark memories or you're, you're making someone relive something that um, they don't want to relive. And that is, you know, the complete opposite of what I do. And when you come to the show, you'll see that. Yeah. Though leaving them with wonder. <laughs> um, uh... <laughs> It's the first time you're back on stage. How's it? You've done one preview so far. One preview. Yes, that's nice. So tonight is opening night. I cannot wait. This is the first time I've been on a stage in a theatre mm. since before the pandemic. So it feels like a good start to be playing the Sydney Opera House <laughs> as, as my, my first run of shows. <laughs> and the Playhouse is such a beautiful space. It's mm. It's a large size, but it also has a sense of intimacy to it as well. So in the preview last night... It just felt great to be in a room with 400 people Mm. and feel that energy again of live theatre. And as an audience member, I think we forget how exciting it is to be in live theatre again. For the past two years during the pandemic, I've I've been doing a digital show that I sort of digitally toured across the world. And I had a wonderful experience with that. And it it received, you know, really wonderful critical acclaim, which was amazing. But... I realized the power of being in that darkened space, that energy of being with that group of people. And I think until you're sitting there in that theater, you don't realize yourself how much you've missed it. Mm, Indeed. I've watched some of your, you know, um, the online shows. There's lots of stuff to see, like news things where you've done not tricks, but um, you've, you've given examples of, of what you do. And as I listen to you, telling asking someone else to you, the, the, my mind can't help create a memory myself as you watch someone else's memory and I just can't help but think of that the power of of the mind of this I don't know like the 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 mind is so much creates so many more pictures than we can visually portray is that part of your kind of I don't know desire to be in this world let me say, Regina, you're pretty much reciting <laughs> word for words a line from the show. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, very much so. I completely agree with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as I say, my my goal with this show and my North Star when I when I went into the performances I did today was to explore the power of the mind. I think that is such a wonderful and exciting thing. Mm. And I really believe that this show provides the audience that mm. it is not about an escape from reality. It is Mm. about immersing yourself 
in your own thoughts, in your own memories and exploring your own power. Scott Sylvan, thank you so much for joining me. It sounds so exciting. I can't wait. (laughs) I don't wait to see you there. Thank you so much, Regina. Well, that was Scott Sylvan. And Wonder is playing at the Opera House until the 26th of June. 